High Noon with George Hook. News Talk 106 to 108. And you're very welcome back to High Noon with Kira Kelly filling in for George here today. I'm joined now in studio by Joan Mulvihill, who is, of course, communications and technology consultant and works with us here on High Noon on Tech Tuesday. Joan, you're very welcome to the to the programme. Thank you very much. Uh, and Happy Christmas and Happy New Year to you. Happy Christmas and a Happy New Year. Of course, all all the madness is sort of over and done with largely, but but I think technology technology played a big role this Christmas. I know in my own house we had several 3DSs and several um, uh, Kindle Fires and things came into the house. So I've seen a lot of people staring at screens and, and ignoring each other in the spirit of goodwill that is Christmas. Um, what about yourselves? Is is that is you know technology is a huge part of Christmas presents now, isn't it? It is. I think Santa delivered a lot of presents. Uh, from the technology elf department this year. Yeah. Um, I know my own house, I've seen a bit of it too, through friends. Um, and it's something we discussed on the show with George last month was, you know, for parents, if they've bought a bike, you know, or if grandparents or whoever, if children have a first bike, the first thing a parents do is make sure that they buy them a helmet as well or, you know, keep them safe and they teach them the rules of the road. And likewise, it's really important to make sure that if your child has received technology from Santa, that mum and dad now get involved and understand the rules of the road for, you know, what is good behaviour online, how to keep their children safe online, put those protections in place in terms of privacy settings, understanding that the games that they're playing with, understanding that if there's chat rooms there that they know not to talk to people that they don't know in the real world, not to befriend anyone online that they're not friends with in the real world. And that's the rules of the road, effectively, that you would teach a child on their first bicycle. Now you need to teach it to them on their first piece of tech. Joan, that, we're talking about going to talk a little bit today about the kind of, as you see, the big hitters and the big areas of importance for, for, for personal people um, regarding technology for, for 2017. Talk to me a little bit about digital privacy do you think that most people know how to make their social media or whatever you know properly private so that people can't look at all their kids photos or whatever I think most people are fairly genned up now on how to set their have to have the privacy settings for example on their Facebook accounts and um, that it's friends or only friends of friends and, and understanding what that are what they are about asking permission if you're going to put up a photograph of someone else's child or you're indeed your own child. I mean, I wouldn't put up a photograph for my niece and nephew without speaking to their parents. So, um, and the generally parents would say, maybe not. Okay. So, you know, just being careful about things like that. People have the basics. I think one of the bigger issues is password security, knowing to change your password, to have good, strong passwords. I know it's pain. There's nothing worse for all of us um, than trying to just keep a track of all of that. But it is really, really important. The bigger issues have been security breaches where, um, for example, you've got information that is held by a large corporate that you trust and they have had a security breach. There, there's some of the, I mean, just there towards the end, middle of December, there was a story broke in the news about Yahoo had had a huge breach in 2014. And 500 million, million email accounts. Yeah. And I think for some people, they think, so what? People are trying to understand what are the ramifications of somebody else having my email address and my passwords. And mostly we think, well, it might be an inconvenient hack and somebody posts awful stuff on my timeline and going, oh, my account has been hacked. It's really where it hits you in your wallet that people start to get concerned about their privacy. Where does it hit you in your wallet? Because because I, I, I am that Luddite who goes, oh, yeah, what's the big deal? And, I, and as far as I know, touch wood, I, I have never been hacked. But but what what are the ramifications if we were hacked? So someone gets hold of your credit card details um, and suddenly you've got, you know, 
fraudulent payments going out of your credit card. That's the more obvious one. But there's others like, you know, phishing scams where you get an email, you think it's from a trusted website that you know. There was one going around about Amazon that's there before Christmas as well. And don't respond to those unsolicited emails from yourself. So just be really, really careful. Look for things like, you know, when you go to the payment section on a website, if you're shopping online, when you go to the payment section, the little HTTP that comes up at the top, that should have an S at the end of it. Think S, think secure. So you're in a secure payment page when it's HTTPS. Okay, th- that's really... Okay, cause now, now, now I'm glued to you. Go, so th- if that doesn't say HTTPS, then you're not in a secure... You're not in a secure payment area and make sure that, you so know... So just glance up every so time. So just glance up when... just It doesn't matter in the, in the browsing part, but when you're into that payment section, when you go click through to shopping cart part and you're in that shopping cart and you're about to edit your credit card details, make sure it's got a little S up there. So you, make you, sure your passwords are secure... Um, you mentioned Joan passwords and I wanted to come back to that. How often do you think people should change their passwords? Well, I would take a lead from the bank, for example. So if you're banking online, they will generally ask you to change your password every 90 days. Really? Yeah. I, I bank online with uh, Bank of Ireland and uh, my password generally expires. My password for my business banking online expires after 90 days. My personal account one is uh, is obviously the set of digits and it, it hasn't changed since I've had it. So... Oh, but for actual passwords for, you know, your devices. Talk to me a little bit about, about what was a big feature of 2016. I know we're talking about into the future of 2017, but in 2016, one of the things that was talked about a lot was fake news. And fake news obviously is an online phenomenon and significantly online. I'm sure there's fake news that is in other media as well. Um, talk to me a little bit about that, Joan. This is one of my favourite topics. And in fact, it is the idea that... We are incredibly influenced now and get our news from social media streams or from what we Google. And they determine what we see. And they have the power to determine what we see based on our likes and groupthink and, you know, what our friends like and what they think will be of interest to us. But, you know, there were a lot of fake news stories and it was an algorithmic anomaly, apparently. But, you know, we've looked at there was a huge amount of controversy towards the end of 2016 in relation to stories that were put up online where there were maybe fake images attached to it. So in other words, this this image says this is happening now in Aleppo, but when you actually look at it, it was from five years previously somewhere else in the world. Yeah, and, and to be fair, great Irish businesses like Storyful that was originally uh, set up by, by Mark Little did a huge amount to eliminate that in terms of validating news feeds that were coming from countries through social media and validating, you know, which ones are accurate. But a little, it's more, to be honest, and not to blame, the, put it all on the US, but, you know, things like the D- Dakota Pipeline protest. Yep. Um, there were images put up there that were, that were not reflective of what was actually happening on the scene. Apparently, there were images of Woodstock. And it was this sense of like there's thousands and thousands of people and, you know, all these tents and then going, no, that's that's Woodstock. That's not Dakota Pipeline. It was important because actually it was great that the pipeline was stopped and, and that they found a new solution to that. But it is the idea that it's manipulation of people. And that's fine when we agree with how we are being manipulated. The bigger, you know, and we agree with the ideology of, you know, those organisations who are wanting us to see certain things. The challenge for all of us is to start questioning, what if we don't agree with the ideology? And what if, you know, the Arab Spring, for example, started as, as and it was completely empowered by technology, by mobile technology, social media and the cloud. And a load of people with a shared ideology 
got to do this huge revolution, which was a, a good thing in a, in a lot of respects, because we agreed with the people that were doing the uprising and we wanted them to overthrow the people that they were overthrowing. But what happens when it's the reverse? And that's the concern. And you look at the, the result of the Trump election and we all feel over here that that was never going to happen. And then it did. And you don't. We knew what was coming up on our news streams in Europe, but we don't know what was coming up in the news streams in the US. The thing about it is, is I think fake news minimizes it. Fake news makes it sound quite relatively benign. If somebody uploads an image, and they know they know, for example, that they're putting it out saying saying it's the Dakota Pipeline, but it's actually Woodstock. So someone who made that image, made that meme, knows this is fake. It's not really fake news. It's propaganda, and and, yeah. that, and and we are being manipulated. And I know you're saying, well, it's okay if we agree with it. I never agree with, with, with being manipulated. I would rather the truth and then make my own mind based on that. So, so whether I wanted the Dakota pipeline to be, you know, to go ahead or not is kind of immaterial. I certainly don't want to see fake images of it. There's two aspects to it. There's, propag- it's quite scary. there's propaganda fake news and then there's fake fake news. So, for example, again, I think it was around November time, there was a number of Irish celebrities who had had their faces transposed onto photographs of nudity, inappropriate content, yes, whatever. Yes, I remember. That is fake, fake news. And then there is the other that is propaganda, exaggerated news. And it's interesting. There's was, an argument the other one wasn't news at all. The other <laughs> one is not news at all. Should we but, call it news? No, we shouldn't call it news. But yeah, do you know, fake... False fake, images or whatever. Fake yeah. stories. Yeah. Fake fake stories, whether they're yeah. pictorial yeah. stories or, or editorial stories, they're fake. Yeah. Fake. And then there's the others which are kind of exaggerations to manipulate our emotions. And you're absolutely right. A lot, a lot of balanced people, most people want and assume and have faith in a certain degree of trust. And and even in the old world of traditional media, certain people buy certain newspapers because because they understand that that newspaper is... um, has a particular meaning that that we like to hear cognitive dissonance. We like to hear people who agree with us. You know, we like to hear things that support our own beliefs. So we seek that out. And I think what has happened, though, is that has become more and more exaggerated. But there is an issue here. And I know we're kind of slightly going off the remit of technology, but there is an issue here because print media is dying on its feet because it's been constantly undermined by online media and free platforms. You can get your news now for free, whereas once you had to pay for it. But one thing about paying for it is when you're getting the news via journalists, some of whom you would respect, some of whom you might yes. have agreed with. But also some of us did look for news that we didn't always agree with, that we trusted, a trusted news source, an editorial that was trustworthy. Absolutely. And that is the scary thing now because fake news is propaganda. We are being manipulated and you're being manipulated for a reason. Somebody wants you to think a certain way, buy a certain thing or vote a certain way. And we saw that with the Trump election. I think it's fair to say we did see people being manipulated, often in quite sinister ways, by things that were blatantly untrue. There was a perfect example um, in the UK. Again, I think it was around early December and it was um, some a, a, pop, a, a group of about uh, 70 um, refugees were brought to a town in Devon and one of the tabloid papers in the UK said, fury in town in Devon that these people had been moved here. Uh, it turns out the fury was all the people in that town had gathered together. They had collected jumpers, clothes, food and everything to give to those people. And one man said, the public transport around here isn't great. The bus is going to be crammed. Apparently that is fury in Devon. So, you know, obviously the people in Devon get very, very irate. Very, But I mean, it was just totally, it was a total take, taking one comment out of context to manipulate people into saying, you know, that people are really, really angry about something 
that they're not. No. And, and, and there's more and that, feeding a flame that is just there is more true. sinister sinister examples of, of fake news or propaganda than that too. Thank you so much to Joan Mulvihill, who is of course Tech Tuesdays at uh, Communications and Technology Consultant. Thank you very much for coming in to me today, Joan. Thank you very much, and Happy New Year.